Welcome to NASA in Silicon Valley, episode 53. This week, we're talking to Hanwat Singh, the Atmospheric Research Director at NASA Ames and finalist for the Partnership for Public Services 2017 Samuel J. Heyman Service to America medals. The award, better known as the Sammies, was named for the partnership's late founder, American businessman and philanthropist Samuel J. Heyman. The award recognizes federal employees who break down barriers, overcome huge challenges, and get results. Hanwatt is a finalist for the Career Achievement Award, selected for his exceptional leadership in three decades of pioneering research identifying harmful pollutants in the atmosphere and their impacts on the climate and human health. Most recently, Hanwatt's team has been working on the Oracles mission, an airborne science mission studying how particles from fires on the surface affect clouds, their distribution, and their properties. To talk about all that and more, here is Hanwatt Singh. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, how did you join NASA? What brought you to Silicon Valley? I came to Silicon Valley uh, to work with Stanford Research Institute. Okay. I was there for 12 years. I directed a program there. And after that, I came to NASA Ames Research Center. Oh, wow. So were you always in, interested in like NASA and in space stuff or how? No, my area of expertise, uh, my degrees were in engineering actually, but my, my area of expertise had become environment, various understanding of the environment, pollution was a big deal okay. at those times. So I got interested in environment and once the, the interest in environment became much more global where we yeah. had to study the atmosphere all around the globe, then it made sense to come to NASA because that's where the proper facilities were available to be able to do these things. And so when you came over, did it automatically join into the civil service? Or was it a postdoc or a contract? How, how did you end up coming in? No, I was uh, I was brought in actually. Uh, NASA worked on me to get here. Yeah. So <laughs> no, I came in directly. It. <laughs> it took a year to decide that and we had conversations. But uh, since I live in Palo Alto and Stanford is nearby and Ames is nearby, no commute. big commute was required. So I came directly as a civil servant. Oh, excellent. And, and so did you land in engineering at that point? Or, no, I, or I directly landed at the time. It was called Space Science Division. Okay. But since then, we have created, uh, we broke them up, and there's a Space Science Division, but also an Earth Science Division. So most of what I did was in the in the Earth Science area, so uh, much of my time was spent in the Earth Science Division. And what did you work on around that time? Uh, I worked on many things. One of the things was at the time, we were trying to understand, fully understand the composition of the atmosphere. Okay. They were, we were just learning that uh, atmosphere had thousands of different chemicals. They were all interacting with each other. They were, they were interacting with sunlight and all other things. But we didn't understand how much of them are there, what's happening to mm -hmm. them, where do they go, what impact they might have. And at the time, many of the instrumentation that was required to make these kinds of measurements were not available. Okay. So I came a little bit early where the instrumentation development was going on. We developed some instruments 
of our own, but at the same time, the science was evolving. So we were, were doing experiments, we were developing models, as well as developing instrumentation. And on top of it, because uh, we were able to get NASA aircraft to do studies. Okay. So we went around the globe in many, many other parts of the world. So it was another way to see the world as well. <laughs> nice. I always kind of refer to, especially NASA on the Earth science part, of it's all being about getting data, you know, whether yes. it's from satellites. Um, and a lot of people don't necessarily think of you know, airplanes, we have the Ajax uh, mission or project out of, he out of right. NASA Ames, right. uh, Poseidon. You have these different you know, airplanes that are going up with instruments that are taking samples as well. That, that and so, and it's combining those together help us better understand things. So when I came to Stanford Research at the time, we were pretty much ground-based. Okay. So early on, then we thought, oh, well, you know, we could cover a much bigger uh, area yeah, yeah. if we go, go to aircrafts. Uh, it was difficult because the proper instrumentation was not available. So for for in the 80s and 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 a good bit of 90s, uh, we used aircrafts, uh, fully instrumented aircrafts, because we had developed these capabilities to make very complex series of measurements. The satellite came much less. Satellites came much later. Still, they can only measure a few things. They cannot mm -hmm. measure most of the things on the on these instrumented aircraft. We can measure literally hundreds of species in the atmosphere. Oh, the wow. satellites are not able to do that. They they can only measure a few things. So so you need aircraft to even make sense of the satellite data as well. So right now, the advantage of satellites is that they give us global coverage. They go around the globe mm -hmm. and they they collect data for longer periods of time, maybe like sometimes three or four years. Oh, wow. uh, while our airplane experiments often last six weeks. So they give <laughs> us a snapshot, but they give us a lot of detail. The satellites give us a, a longer term view, but they, they don't give detail. us the detail. So this is where we are right now. <laughs> well, it, it was funny. I was just chatting with somebody about Enceladus, ice worlds with water underneath it. And, you know, looking at the Earth, it's like, or even looking at exoplanets for that matter, you're trying to understand, is there life on, on these other yes. planets? You know, how does the liquid water, briny, salty water on Mars move? And it's like, you can't understand that without looking at the example that we have here. That's and once we can understand the Earth, that helps us to understand exoplanets that's, and other things. That's right. And as best as we know, Earth is the only planet so far, at least, <laughs> that we know that has biology. So it's not physics and chemistry, it's biology. And they, yeah. and as we have understood, even though we were trying to understood, understand the 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 chemistry of the atmosphere, mm -hmm. the composition, that it's very closely linked with biology. And that's an area that is still probably the next generation will fully understand. But the interaction of biology and in the atmosphere is, is, is an area that needs further exploration and probably will happen. So one of the cool things, one of the reasons we especially wanted to bring you on over you know, to chat on the podcast is something that we have up and coming, you know, coming up in September, as I understand the affectionately referred to the Oscars of public service uh, <laughs> yeah. called the Sammies. Yeah. Um, and so you got brought in. You're one of the finalists. That's so talk a little bit about that. What is this? Well, I, I, I personally about 
four months ago, I didn't know anything about Sammy's, but <laughs> I was nominated by our center director for this uh, for this award, and subsequently I found out that uh, I am the finalist. So this is supposed to be the whole purpose of this uh, this exercise is to to highlight the good that people who work for the government employees of the government do for the society at large. Often they don't get a lot of credit, but they do do a lot of good stuff. And this is to highlight the good things that uh, that, that federal workers do for, huh. for everybody. They had hundreds of you know nominations. There's only a handful of finalists. There's so many finalists. Is this is a big thing that's going to happen in Washington, D.C., a big gala? A big... Well, the, the, there is a gala happening in September. That okay. I think that's the, but this is also something big. It's happening in Washington, D.C. They are inviting a lot of people uh, from here from here at Ames, but also from uh, Washington, D.C. There are a lot of people that work for the government that do their best and do a lot of useful things. And this is, this is a sort of an appreciation of all that. That's nice. So um, talking about the, the nice and useful things, w- what are you working on now? Uh, What's your day-to-day like? You have to wake up, get your coffee. <laughs> well, right now I'm just getting ready to go to Germany for two months to work with the Max Planck Institute. Okay. We are, uh, they are, they do similar experiments uh, to us uh, that we do here. So right now they have two major experiments uh, going on, and I've been involved with them, so I'll be spending the next six or eight weeks at the Max Planck Institute in Mines, and uh, just getting ready to leave shortly after I come back from Washington. I'm headed there. Nice and very earth science centric. This is very earth science centric. This is very much similar things that we do. Okay. Uh, And Max Planck Institute itself, I think is, is, is a it's not a, uh, a governmental entity, but it's pretty well funded by the government. So it's a, okay. one of these. Ins- they have many Max Planck institutes, but this one is for for the environment, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so, talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you're working on at Ames. Is it still primarily like like satellites or airborne that is, observations, that, or is that, it that is correct? Pretty much, we are still uh, doing a lot of airborne campaigns. We were supposed to do one major one a few years ago in Southeast Asia, okay. uh, and we learned some lessons because we were not permitted to go there, and so we had to cancel. <laughs> and we were able to do something very similar here in the U.S. We have other experiments coming. Some of these are uh, there is one experiment going in in South Africa where they're trying to understand fires, how they impact the local climate and and pollution aspects of it. Mm -hmm. I think we will do a fire-type experiment probably next year in the U.S. So a lot of preparation is going on for these these major campaigns that we would do. All of these campaigns then are done in full coordination with what, what the satellites are doing. So we work okay. very closely with satellites. We will underfly them. They go over. So while we do our six-week experiment, they will They're sort of link up with us for those six weeks, and then whatever they can provide 
for the next two, three years becomes part of this study. We will have much, much more detail than they will have, yeah. but they will have much more or length extended uh, coverage than we do. Amongst these campaigns, um, I had mentioned, you know, Ajax, which is a more local thing, and Poseidon that I think went to Guam. <laughs> That's well, right. So, so is this different planes, different instruments, these different, are different campaigns? Planes. How does this work? The, 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 these are sometimes, the Earth is, is a somewhat complicated system. <laughs> so <Really>? some of these <laughs> campaigns, uh, Poseidon types, uh, uh, are interested in the upper atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So they want to know how things are getting, for example, into the stratosphere from below. Okay. A lot of what we're doing is interested in the lower atmosphere. So we want to see how what we are putting into the atmosphere, what's happening to them, how they are moving around, how they might affect uh, weather, climate, or or health. You know, we also sometimes get involved in more regional issues that uh, involve pollution and mm-hmm. various aspects. Uh, so we've done studies with the. Um, Mexico, for example. Oh, really? We were in Mexico City trying to see, uh, trying to, we took our DC-8, they had some activities on the ground to really help them and help us better understand their systems, but also uh, coordinate things with them. And in all these things, we have young people involved. So in some sense, we are training the next generation of scientists, (laughs) if you will. That's an important part of these these campaigns. But we've been to the Arctic during the International Polar Year. We've been to Africa several times because they have a lot of fires over there. Mm -hmm. We've been to uh, the the Arctic during the fire season as well to look at boreal fires. And we've been to the China area many times to look at what's, because China is growing very rapidly. So we wanted to establish the background in the Pacific to see how they're going to change it. So we've been going to the Pacific and looking at the art flow from China for a number of years now. And of course, we've been to the Amazon to see what it does, how it Mm -hmm. So we go to various places, look at various ecosystems to understand. Each one has its own importance. I have not been that involved, but there are high-flying aircraft that, for example, only care about the stratosphere, the ozone layer. So they will have a separate set of instruments that can fly very high. And so, so there are basically two or three layers of the atmosphere, those who work like us in the first 10 kilometers. Mm -hmm. Then there are people in the middle there from 10 to 12 or 13 kilometers looking at this transition. And then uh, then those who are above 15 kilometers more worried about the ozone layer and things of that Mm -hmm. nature. Talk a little bit about the campaigns. I mean, how does a campaign like come up? How do you choose the instruments, the locations? This is a, a... a fairly difficult process, a mm-hmm. campaign. I can give you an example of a campaign that I was the one, in the, in the initiator <laughs> of. So basically, nice. you have to first come up with some idea, dealing with with the community, with a small group of people, see this is what we should do. For example, one of the one of the experiments we did was uh, was the International Polar Year. So okay. we knew International Polar Year was coming. We knew Arctic was very important. So I was in Europe. The Europeans were very interested. The English were interested. The Germans were interested. So we tried <laughs> to get the, the, the Americans invested here. So it requires 
a bit of legwork, uh, convincing mm-hmm. people that this is a good idea. After that, generally, you you prepare what's called a white paper, okay. which provides fair amount of details on what this campaign would be, what we would learn, why do we want to even do it, and, and how. And a little bit of how much things may cost because they require of course. a lot of these <laughs> things. So the white papers are then then looked around by a lot of people. And at some stage, the NASA headquarters gets involved in it and they, they decide, okay, we're going to do it. Do. Then they will ask for proposals. And once they, ah, okay. those sorts of instruments are then selected, although the white papers will put out a list of the kinds of instruments they would want to have. Uh, it is, we are not not allowed to s- to select instruments but we are in a white paper you can define okay well, we need we need to useful. measure this we need to measure that so we don't talk about specific instruments we talk about the products that we would need and the instruments that uh, that are there to make those measurements so all of that once that is all done then we have to then there's all these funding issues involved. It takes, and then of course, then you have to go and do these things. Yes, of course. Analyze That's all the data. Then you gotta then, do it. And product is, and product of course is publications and all kinds of things happen at that time. But to the full get the cycle. thing, the, the full cycle, to get the thing rolling can take about two years. Oh wow. And then doing, uh, generally, many of these experiments, we do these campaigns, have, have essentially two phases because there are seasons are different and we can mm-hmm. only do intensive phase. These, these are called intensive phases in, 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 in about, so we'll probably sometimes do one in winter, one in summer or something. So it, it takes about a three year, so these projects are about, about three year long and then uh, analysis goes on. And, and every now and then we do, so many of these different experiments are going. So from time to time, NASA will then come and say, okay, this is the time for data analysis. And there, then they will throw in all these campaigns into a single pot and say, okay, people, go ahead and analyze these data in a cohesive way where you can use this whole thing. Initially, people have a focus on sort of on what they are doing. They don't okay. care about what others are doing. But there is a stage where Everything gets thrown into the into a single pot, and then you can look at the whole atmosphere if you wanted from zero to thirty kilometers. Mm-hmm. You could you could do that. Yes. So talk a little bit about a, a current experiment or a current thing that you're working on. What phase are you at? We have uh, recently finished some experiments, so we are okay. very much in the in, in. I mean, this is me specifically. <laughs> we are very much in the data analysis phase, but we have major experiments going on right now. One of them is called Oracles. Yeah. And that is that one is going in, in South Africa. People mm-hmm. are going to be leaving there. I think they've already done one or two uh, campaigns there and they're going to do another one uh, this August. So that's going to take NASA aircraft, instrumented aircraft there and look at the, at the composition and more radiative properties of aerosols, particularly okay. what's coming from fires. Okay, so it's looking like the aerosols in the air. Is it looking like like to see what it's doing to the environment, its impact on humans? They are more interested in the impact of these things in clouds and 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 through that into climate issues because a lot of lot of burning takes place. uh, It's 
it's hot, so it rises. So mm -hmm. a lot of the stuff is 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 Just pretty well aloft, and it has does two things. One is gets eventually mixed up and, and, and cause contamination, uh -huh. dissipated. But also it can have different changes in cloud distributions and cloud functions, and also it can change the not only the cloud cloud distributions but it can change like if you will the color or they call the albedo of the clouds really? so the radiant properties of the clouds can change so so all of those things are being studied uh, as we speak these are all difficult things some yeah. of these clouds only last for a few hours and so it's, Good thing you it's have a plane very, uh, yeah, to catch yeah, it that's right that's right. and the, and there are several restrictions that the planes uh -huh. have but uh, we do the best we can recently we just finished doing an experiment with uh, using the global hawk which is a uh, which is a remotely piloted vehicle so no oh, really? pilots and so we sat on the ground and it, we mm. instrumented it and then we sat it was a whole learning experience for everybody and uh, but it was quite exciting to have this your remote this, control uh, it on uh, our yeah yeah we call them the, you know there's people who are doing that they're called pilots but they're computer <laughs> yes. jocks and and we were trying to do science with this platform which was very difficult because uh, everything depended on the software that was available oh, I imagine. and they had they had done some things for the Department of Defense, but then using it for science was was a real challenge. But these kinds of things are happening more. There's more and more emphasis in using these kinds of air, you know drones, if you will, yeah. for doing science because they can stay up in the air much longer than an aircraft can, and they can go to different altitudes. But they also have very I also automate some of the functions and I think of a drone I think of an automated you can get them in there staying in a certain pattern collecting a lot of data as opposed that's to a, a remote controlled quadcopter or something that's right so the drones some of these drones can stay there the ones we were using was supposedly stay there for 32 hours which oh, wow. is which was very very long but I think others can stay even longer however those drones, at at least right now, those kinds of bigger are not allowed to fly on land. Mm -hmm. The permissions are not there, so so we were using them to be to do some science over, over the, the oceans ocean. only. So there are there are restrictions of, and they stay. They uh, Global Hawk had to stay above. 42 mm -hmm. or 43,000 feet because the air traffic is underneath. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> we, we couldn't mess around with that. So we so so a lot of these challenges come in. It's a learning experience for everybody. So this is a nice thing about this field is that we are, you know, from the time I started, uh, what we knew then and what we now know now, there's a huge, huge difference. And you just learn a lot of different things. Well, we'll have everybody keep an eye out for any updates and news on oracles so when you guys start publishing papers and the results <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of all of that. That's, that's right. So we eventually publish. Everything we do is public information, so mm -hmm. it's all published. In fact, 
And the scientific community can scientific take it and is, use it and figure out. That's right. So, so, so the so publications the are not only encouraged, but almost required. <laughs> Otherwise, if you don't <laughs> publish very Otherwise, much, you do it it's for? published or perished. Not as bad as some of the universities, but still. <laughs> well, for folks who have questions for you, uh, we're on Twitter at NASA Ames. We use the hashtag NASA Silicon Valley. So if folks have questions, then you can also go that route and we'll hook you up. <laughs> and we'll bring them back. So thanks for coming on over. All right, great. Well, that's that's all. That's it. Oh, we're done. Okay, it's easy. See. <laughs>